Welcome to Sky Team's People First with Morag Barrett. This week, my guest is Karen Stalwalki, who is a fellow member of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Group. And before we get into her background, I actually want to go back to the start, Karen. If you flash back to when you were sitting at elementary school, I'm curious if you then, the younger self, picturing what you would be doing, where you would be, where we are now, what did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I'm going to actually answer that at two points in my childhood. Um, So at the youngest point in time, uh, let's say first grade, I would say a leader. And why I say that is my grandmother, Stewarki, Grammy Lil, um, had four famous sayings that she repeated ad nauseum (laughs) to her grandchildren. And the first and foremost, she advocated, she's an immigrant from Eastern Europe. She said, be a leader. Be a leader. So that was imprinted in my head very early on. Be a leader. So I knew I was going to be a leader. Now, I had no idea what being a leader meant or looked like, but I knew I was supposed to be a leader. Um, And then so as I advanced up in elementary school, um, what I became drawn to was medicine. And I really thought I would become a doctor um, because for me, it was about the opportunity to heal someone. And I was very drawn to that aspect of being of service in a healing way to kind of bring wellness back into someone's life, um, which allowed me to kind of pursue biology and advanced biology in school. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I enjoyed the dissection of all these interesting <laughs> little creatures um, and learning about different parts. But then as I got into college, I'm like, you know what? I don't think I have the appetite to cut open a human being. Like there was just something that I'm like, I can't do it. I just, I can't. So that started kind of my journey of thinking about healing and leadership in a lot of different ways. Wow. I just love the way that's connected. And you've touched on in terms of the next bit, the journey then that has actually brought you here. Mm -hmm. So I know you've had a broad experience. It's one of the reasons you've been hand-selected by Marshall Goldsmith to be part of the Marshall Goldsmith 100 Coaches Group. So tell me a little bit about your leadership journey then from that younger self who's now saying, I want to be a leader. I just, what does that mean to Mm -hmm. where you are today? Tell me about some of the twists and turns along the way. Sure. Um, so the, in the college migration just quickly went from medical doctor to kind of thinking about myself potentially as a psychiatrist or psychologist. Um, but I realized subconsciously at that point in time that um, my concern was I don't know if I could leave my work at work because I had a sense that there was something about me which I've discerned as being an empath with a big heart I wear at my sleeve, I didn't know if I could leave everything that people share with me at an office and bring it home. So that led me down to a different path, which was um, ultimately into the first step of continuing my liberal arts education in a strategy consulting firm to figure out, okay, I don't know what being a leader looks like, and I don't know really what what business is because I was so focused on this Mm -hmm. medical orientation. So I'm going to just continue to learn um, and see what I'm drawn to. Um, And that work in consulting went from working inside um, the guts of organizations. So I grew up in a factory. My dad worked in a machine tool and die company. So I started in factories um, working on procurement um, supply chain, manufacturing, um, all kinds of issues like that. And I really got an appreciation for how the kind of core processes of organizations work. Um, but more of what I learned was the joy of actually working with a client team um, and helping them 
to really find solutions that were known to them, but were buried underneath the surface. And a big shift for me was feeling like I had to have the answer to just asking really great questions that enabled people who were a heck of a lot smarter than I was at 22 years old Mm -hmm. to really come to a solution or an answer. And so I became intrigued with this aspect of working with teams and having teams help to heal an organization to help actually enable it to become stronger than um, what it was was currently. And so that then led me to this path of during another graduate degree of leadership development. Um, and what I recognized was uh, kind of essentially a manifestation of a really focus for both of my parents around human potential and the belief that um, that everyone in the organization has the capacity to make it great. And so how are we actually supporting the growth and development of every individual in service of that? Um, and that focus and leadership development then led me to organizational transformation work. So I became a partner at a, um, a large uh, strategy consulting firm called Monitor Deloitte now, um, and leading organization transformation work around the world. And that process then led me to doing that as an interim executive within organizations, getting to a point where we had created an approach for uh, that transformation that involved the organization right from the very beginning, the design of where do we want to go, where are we today, and how will we get there? Um, And that for me was really powerful because it led to more sustainable change and more um, uh, you know, phenomenal degrees of employee commitment and engagement. And yet, so in this context of healing um, mm-hmm. and enabling, um, it was really through that that the, the, the piece of kind of supporting the organization and doing that themselves. And the leadership shift for me was about, as I look through that 20 plus year arc, ultimately was in the process of letting go. It was from me actually leading from the front to me actually leading from behind. Um, And that ultimately led to my focus around um, working as an executive coach to uh, the C-suite and and top leadership teams because I realized that the most critical element in that transformation was the degree to which the CEO and the executive team were very clear around what the organization demanded from them in terms of who who the leader is that they needed to be to support the transformation and their explicit commitment to step into that leadership evolution themselves. Otherwise, everything at some point falls apart because they mm-hmm. are the center of gravity for the organization and it brings the momentum back to the old ways of being and doing. Um, and so that for me has been the kind of the, this migration for me feeling like I'm coming back to when I was 19 years old again um, in what that focus is. But for me to have had that journey um, in both looking at the work within organizations and how I've done that, but also my own leadership journey such that it's it really prompted some really interesting reflection last night with my 90-year-old dad, who I'm currently with during the pandemic. Um, and we talked about that aspect of what does it mean to be a leader? Because I relate mm-hmm. to him. I had gotten this email from someone last week. I'm, I'm convening a little learning community. Um, and this individual sent a lovely email back to me and said, thank you for your leadership at so many levels. And I was struck when I got that email because I'm like, what am I doing I'm not doing anything. All I'm doing is arranging a Zoom call. <laughs> but it 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 then just really hit me, um, which is what I was doing was creating the container. I was creating the space for this community to come together and creating this atmosphere of safety, of trust, 
of dignity and respect by virtue of how I was showing up that created powerful conversations to take hold. And so for me, if I have to summarize it, it's been this evolution from Grammy saying to me, be a leader. And I'm thinking like, okay, I've got to be a CEO. I've got to be, you know, something, you know, with a big title associated with big partner or whatever to actually, you know, my leadership now is just, is literally a, a way of being. Um, and that's the most powerful way that I can influence both the change and the healing that I do and work with clients. So I love that. And when I'm working with leaders, I do the same is that you Google the word leadership and you literally get hundreds of millions of results. Uh, it's just crazy. And you can try and narrow it. And I do this, you know, great leash, leadership, awesome leadership, freaking awesome leadership. <laughs> there are so many definitions of leadership. And when I'm working with leaders, I work on the basis sounds similar to yours, which is, well, what's your definition of leadership? Because if you can't define it, how do you know if you're living it? And if you can't define it, how do you know where you need to tweak the dial and turn it up or down? Yeah. So, Karen, how do you now, 20 years later, define leadership? What's your leadership philosophy? Um, for me, it's actually leadership is about creating the atmosphere. It's similar to what I just said, creating an atmosphere which, um, which um, creates and sustains safety, trust and respect for all of those to be able to discover and express their full potential. Mm -hmm. um, ultimately, it's about um, helping people to understand how much value they can provide and to honor their expression of that value. So, you know, I think about my dad, who is absolutely one of my um, role models in leadership. And when he and I were talking about it last night, and he was like, I don't think I do anything really special in kind of his career. I'm like, oh, my God, absolutely, Dad. You know what you do? You actually, um, in terms of creating this atmosphere of trust, he comes in with no agenda, no objective, no intention other than to honor whoever he's engaging in helping them really kind of feel that they matter. Their voice matters. Their thoughts matter. Their RDs matter and they're appreciated. And then they bend over backwards for him. So leadership for me is about creating that space where people feel like they matter and that um, what they can provide is something that's actually really valued and appreciated by an organization. Um, and so if you're seen and you're heard, you're more likely to give all of yourself, your head, your heart, your hands, your work, your ideas, and your passion to make something magnificent happen. Mm -hmm. So on the other side of the coin then, what do you personally find challenging when it comes to leadership? Oh, the shoulds. <laughs> I, I call about these as the, I call them like the you know shedding the shoulds. So yeah. it's this you know it's this aspect around and it's been it's been part of my journey. It's it's been part of almost every client I worked with, and I call them this tango with the invisible they. Um, Quote, people, um, people are the invisible they who think you should do this or you should do that or you, you should be this or should have that. And so, you know, often the invisible they are invisible. In my own life, I can't point to any person who has ever articulated, Karen, you need to be, you know, CEO of X or, you know, have this whatever, do this or have this degree. Nobody. Um, and yet there, this invisible they is really powerful, uh, has been powerful in my own kind of head and for many of my clients. And so I think it is that tango to continue to ask yourself, 
why am I doing this? As you think about a choice you're making, a job you're going after, a decision you're making is really understand the, the underlying motivation for the why and who am I doing this for and why am I doing it? And to check yourself that it's really connected to something that you firmly believe in or that you really want something that's important to you versus some invisible they or people who think you should be doing this or should have this or, or, or the like. So I think that's in its essence, this what I think for me is going to be a lifelong tango um, between really getting clear around around the why and who am I doing this? Who am I really doing this for? Because it's, love, yeah. Oh, sorry. I love the analogy of dancing. It's the one thing I miss now that we're socially distancing, <laughs> yeah. a good old tango and, and so on. <laughs> But it, it, you've mentioned Grammy, you've mentioned your father. Yeah. So I'm curious what role relationships have played um, in your success. <sighs> Seminal. Um, and and you know, one of my, part of what drives me and has been such a core part of my philosophy is a piece of counsel that was given to my first mentor. I um, I helped uh, work my way through college by working at an investment management firm. And an individual um, at the end of my second, third summer there said to me, Karen, wherever you go in business, whatever job you have, whatever industry you end up in, um, there's one thing for you to remember that's going to be intrinsic to your success, absolutely fundamental. He said, at the end of the day, business is all about relationships. So mm. your superpower and what will enable you to be most effective or not is how effectively you can um, create and build and sustain powerful relationships. And that for me has like, you know, when you're 19 or 20, I was just like, oh, that's really interesting. Like I kind of forgot about it, but it's like, it's so much, it came forward and continues to come forward. And evidence of that is all over the place that like that is what it's all about. It really mm -hmm. is. It's driven my success as a, you know, at a partner at a big firm in terms of how I think about business development. It's driven my success and transformations in terms of how do I effectively engage organizations in getting things done. It's really, it's my work with clients and with teams. It's all about the relationship. And because relationship is co-owned by each person or entity in it, I'm constantly working on myself and how I show up in that relationship so that I can make sure that I'm creating the, um, the foundation and the context for that to be as effective and powerful as it can be. I love that. And as you know, relationships are close to my heart. It's the theme of my first book, Cultivate, which is up there on the screen. And so I'm curious in the current environment where we're all working through the two-dimensional Zoom calls, how are you then maintaining and nurturing the relationships and how are you networking and adding new relationships in the current environment? Um, one of it, I'm a big um, believer in gift giving and not literally gifts, but just um, offering um, help and support. So whether that's finding something, coming across an article or um, a book that I think will be of interest to someone in my network and sending it to them or creating a link saying just kind of literally just thinking about you um, and putting that forward or helping to make kind of connections um, between mm -hmm. folks in my network. Um, so that aspect of reciprocity is something um, I do. And, and, and often, it's just like, how can I be of support to you right now? Um, and that's a question that I continually ask folks in my network, just the context of I'm thinking about you and, and how can I be of support that has no motivation other than, you know, what they need at that moment and how I might be able to help. Um, 
the other aspect of I'm a big believer in um, this is my mother's teaching actually is thank you notes. And so yeah. what I've actually done more recently is um, is really thinking about people in my network who I want to thank, who I want to appreciate mm -hmm. for things and taking the time to write them a letter. Um, and so that's another other aspect of appreciation that I'm actually, I'm focusing on. Um, and then the other piece from a network perspective in terms of my own network expansion is in service of my own effectiveness, I believe I'm a work in progress. I've really looked at opportunities to say, okay, what do I want to learn during this period? Because mm -hmm. I have some additional space at this moment in time. And so it's through those, through the learning. So different programs and workshops that I've signed up for that I have met some wonderful people who I would not have otherwise met and who are great thinking partners and learning partners for me at this point in time um, and not knowing where those actually might lead, but it's been very fun to experiment with that and get plugged into really some very unexpected communities that I wouldn't have otherwise had thought of or have space and time for. Um, and so it's, it's really just about investing that relationship. And there's other ways, um, you know, just for me is continuing to as I mentioned before, just continuing to do this kind of periodic check-ins with folks. Mm -hmm. That's just about um, that expression of essentially my dad's motion of like, I, I see you and, and what, what, how are you in this moment and what, what can I do? I, I love that. And those are tactics that all of us can adapt, uh, adopt. It's a couple of minutes each day. It's the noticing on LinkedIn who, who has moved into a new yes. role commenting on their article, to your point, sharing those things. But I also really value that idea of the handwritten note, because ironically today, it's the phone that isn't ringing quite so much. We're all doing scheduled Zoom meetings. And so the spontaneous nature of a phone call that you choose to answer or the spontaneous reaction of a letter in the mail is powerful in maintaining and growing relationships. Yes, so before we, we went live in this recording, we were talking about our experiences over the last three, three months or so, and you used the words tranquil and surrendering. So I'm curious in terms of what's caught your attention in the last few months and how those two words and experiences factor into that. Um, I think that I'll talk about them in both personally and then in the context of my clients. So for me, that the aspect of tranquility has been a, um, a feeling that I've experienced since the beginning of the pandemic. And it's been um, such a gift of um, enabling me to be who I need to be and want to be to my family, my clients, my friends um, in that oasis of calm. And that for me is a result of work that I've done on myself and with myself for the past 10 years. So I'm grateful to see it. Ah, it's actually coming forward. I'm not, you know, freaking out about this time. Um, but but it is, I, what I find is like, it is a, it's magnetic, like the calm that I experience, um, in the deepest fibers of my being gets transmitted on the phone and zoom, even if I can't be with someone, mm -hmm. um, in person, um, is that people experience it. So I find that there's so much kind of connectivity with how I have with clients right now, um, that they sense that in me. And so I'm really, I'm really grateful for that because it's like this, 
um, way just kind of it helps to bring everyone down. And so part of that tranquility that I work on with my clients is helping them to de-escalate from where they are in this moment and to be able to shift from, um, you know, kind of all of the different parts of themselves that come alive and get freaked out during this moment and say, okay, so how can we look forward to um, imagining possibility because often there's a stuckness in a worst case scenario and it's saying, okay, that's but only but one of one of a couple different options. So for what could happen. So let's think through what else is possible. And then, you know, how can you, because you can be a source of influence and possibility and driving to different situations, um, what, how can you be an agent of that change? So shifting from essentially passive victim, like I can't, it's being done to me, to how can you be a proactive agent in shaping what you most want, which I deeply believe is possible. Um, and so that's about as much about what you do as actually how you show up. Um, and then the other context, so if we think about the tranquility and also about the surrender piece is really getting clear around what can I control? What do I have influence over and what's really a concern? And so to really help separate and distinguish with my clients to really say, all right, there's a lot of stuff that you're concerned about that you don't have control over. And so that doesn't benefit you from continuing to expend energy and effort and time on things that you have no control over, no influence over. So let's get really clear around what are the things we can control and what can we influence and focus your energy and effort towards that instead of the vast array of things that are out there that kind of feed the kind of anxiety, feed the concern and, also, and, and ultimately reduce your effectiveness and, re, and drain energy. Okay. So, and that in the combination of, um, as we kind of clarify that focus and intention, um, also this is a conversation I was having last night with someone, which is also getting really clear around how you refill your energy reservoirs, which is right now more important, I would argue for a leader than at any other time, because they get the, the drain is so fast and so quick. I mean, even just being on Zoom calls for eight hours is incredibly draining. Is. We human beings aren't used to this kind of electronic um, uh, interface because we get fed by being in the physical presence of other human beings. We're fed by that energy. And so it's getting really clear around, you know, what is your um, pick list of things that actually provide you with energy that fill your energy reservoirs and get really clear on prioritizing that um, on doing at least one or more of those things each and every day. Because as I said to my clients, um, self-care is not selfish. Self-care enables you to actually be the person you most want to be to those you care about and those that you actually lead. And so now is the time more so than ever to practice that self-care if that's not um, a focus or a set of rituals that you've had prior to this moment in time. So I'm curious on that very theme then, um, being a stay at home, work from home, we're, we're continually bombarded with what we're losing and what we're missing out on. Yes. So what are you doing then for fun? What are you doing to tap into and refill your energy reservoirs? Um, so one thing that I realized, I've discovered that I really need is I need to be connected to nature and need to be connected to the earth in a big way. So if you saw my fingernails, they're actually really dirty. <laughs> I've been I've been in the garden like every moment I can get. Just I'm yeah. you know, put in vegetable goods. Or just the notion of digging in the dirt has been so grounding for me. 
I mow my own lawn. And so it's like, it's actually an opportunity for me to meditate because my mind is so super active. And when I'm, I'm not able to swim, which is something that I actually do right now because the pool is closed. Mm-hmm. But if, um, but I find that mowing actually is like swimming because I'm just doing laps yeah. back and forth and making sure my lines are very straight. And yeah. so it's wonderful how it actually just clears everything out. And I, it focuses me on just grass. And um, so it's just, it's funny, but it's like, that's been such a calming um, activity. Um, Also just, you know, kind of taking the walk and being intentional about the only thing that I'm going to be focusing on is what I notice. So what really opening up my other senses of feeling and seeing and hearing and not the turning kind of down my thinking self. Um, I also, I love to create. So for me, it's how am I looking at creation opportunities? The gardening is part of that, but also I love to cook. So I've just been experimenting with a whole bunch of new recipes. So like, let's, let's just be in this moment of kind of creation and, um, and do that. So being in the kitchen is something that I enjoy. Um, and then it's enabled me also to, um, aside from restorative yoga, which I do three or four times a week now, thanks to live streaming, Mm -hmm. um, is just, is also meditation. And so I never put a restriction on myself, like, oh, I have to do this for a period of time. Whatever amount of time I am in meditation, which I usually do first thing in the morning is exactly right for that day. And some days it's five minutes and then I'm, I'm out of it. Some days it's 45 minutes and it's just, it just happens. And so I find that for me, that opportunity and that just connecting in the peace and the quiet and, you know, kind of my own um, spiritual sets of beliefs has been really restorative and grounding for me and setting me up for my day. Okay. So 2020 has turned into the ultimate leadership crucible. And I think for most of us, it's easy to believe that we are um, good leaders when um, things are going well. But the true test is what happens when things are um, going slightly wonky. So in the work that you're doing with Spark Leadership Partners, you talk about the pursuit of best self. So I'm curious how your clients are engaging with you now individually and the teams you talked about to ensure that they're bringing their best selves to this turbulent year. Um, It's really interesting. It's been... um... I believe this time is actually a gift in many ways because it's um, it like no other, I think is like, is, it's almost like breaking the log jams. If you think about the big ice flows, it suddenly I feel like there's massive cracks that have occurred that is allowing the water to finally flow. Um, so I look at this in terms of, what I mean by that is like ossified ways of being and doing where we get into such ruts and we lose track of like, why am I actually really doing this? Or mm-hmm. we lose track of those kind of those patterns of thinking and doing. And I think what this time has done, the, 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 co- the combination of the pandemic and um, the, the consciousness about racism and, and racial injustice have brought a lot of that, all of the, there's brought so much to the surface. It's thrown very, a lot of things up that, that require us now that we have the space and time to really look at ourselves in the mirror and um, and reflect on that because we've got the we've got the we're we're the, a lot of the distractions that um, that kind of uh, that guide us away from that aren't present anymore and so I think it's a really phenomenally fruitful time for 
leaders to really get intentional about reflecting on my ways of being and doing and thinking and how do those serve me and serve my organization and how do they not serve me or serve my organization and what do I want for myself? Who do I want to be as a leader? Who does my organization need to be? And who are we as an organization? And really getting thoughtful about the kind of place that, that, that kind of container to where we start the conversation. What's the kind of atmosphere and environment we want to create? What are the kind of conversations that we want to be able to have? What's the kind of experience that we want employees to have? One of my clients who's a CEO um, intended to have a five-minute conversation you know, as a stand-up with, with his team around, um, around, at that point, it was the, the earliest of stages around mm -hmm. the uh, conversation unfolding around um, racial injustice. And it turned into an hour and a half dialogue that was incredibly powerful for that team to be a part of. And so, you know, for him is really thinking about this, that kind what that conversation turned into was a um, testament to the kind of organization he wants that company to be um, in terms of the atmosphere of, of trust, the atmosphere of safety, the atmosphere of respect that was created in that dialogue for, for folks to express their concerns, their fears, their kind of questions, um, and, and for the team to be able to kind of dialogue around that. So um, I think that sense of presencing is really um, uh, is really amplified right now, not only in the context of organization, I said, but as I said, but for individuals as well, I'm working with another leader who, you know, it's kind of like you have this kind of, it's a wake up call. And for him, it's like, where do I want to be in my life? Like I've kind of moved along in this career and been super successful, but like, is this what I really want? And like, what's, what's the point and what's the impact that I actually want to have? Um, so this, I think it's such a gr gift of growing consciousness to be able to really get clear and be intentional around those questions about who do I want to be, who do I need to be, and what do I most want um, in service of, of really making um, a meaningful contribution in this life. So, Karen, as we come to the end of our time together, we're four months into this 2020 um, experience. What do you hope that we all learn and take away from this? Um, well, one is the gift of time, um, and that, um, time is our most precious resource. We actually, I know a lot of people actually kind of say that, but to, for, to really feel it within you, how precious that time is and to invest it really wisely, um, in the context of what relationships really matter to you, um, what 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 matters to you in terms of your contribution and your impact? What I most hope for is for people to be most more aligned with what actually fulfills them, for them to be able to discern where do I actually get my greatest fulfillment and be able to align their life and their work around that fulfillment, whether it's relationships or, or, or whatever that, um, that is in, the con in terms of work. Because I believe when you are in that place of fulfillment, you are in your most authentic um, expression of self. And that is where all of your inner light and beauty and gifts actually kind of come forward. Um, so what I hope is that people have this time to not only get clear for themselves on what that is for them, but also 
um, to summon all of the courage and strength within each that is within each and every one of us to step into that. Because for some, it will mean making some very hard choices in walking away from things that are potentially very comfortable or very lucrative, but actually aren't going back to the invisible day. Mm-hmm. It's what they think they should be doing versus what actually their heart wants them to do. Thank you. Oh my gosh, that was powerful. All right. So how can people learn more and get in touch with you? You can um, look me up on through uh, the Spark Leadership Partners website, which is www.sparkpartnersllc.com. And so you can connect through us through the uh, connect, contact us page of that website. You can also link into me on, on, on LinkedIn, either through my own personal profile or the Spark Leadership Partners page. Okay, and I'll make sure all of that information is included in the show notes around this video. Karen, I have enjoyed this conversation so much. I can't, uh, I can't wait for the next conversation. But in the meantime, stay well and thank you. Thank you, Morag, for the opportunity. I really appreciate it. I've enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for joining Morag today. If you enjoyed the show, please like and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. If you learned something worth sharing, share it. Cultivate your relationships today when you don't need anything before you need something. Be sure to follow Sky Team and Morag on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if you have any ideas about topics we should tackle, interviews we should do, or if you yourself would like to be on the show, drop us a line at info at skyteam.com. That's S-K-Y-E team.com. Thanks again for joining us today. And remember, business is personal and relationships matter. We are your allies.